Look, we are continuing our love series. Uh, let's talk about it. Hey there, this Today, is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of LifeHouse in Portland, a church that exists to help all people church, experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. you to do just that though hey really quick before we dive in today one more quick thing um we are so two weeks from today march 3rd everyone say march 3rd we're doing something a little bit different okay we are not going to be having services here just for that one day everyone say just for that one day just for that one day we are calling march 3rd serve and celebrate Sunday. Now, why? Because the first thing is, is we are going to move our services from 9 and 1030 to one service at 6 p.m. at a different location at City Life Church over on 311 Selden Road. Okay, there's two reasons for that. First off, on that day, March 3rd, is the One City Marathon. Who's actually running in that? Y'all are sick. I don't know why, why y'all ever want to choose to run. I run from things, not for fun, okay? But look, on that day, we, we have said as a church, we, we, we wanna go and serve and be the church on a really significant day for our city. So right now we've got 80 people signed up and we actually need about 25 more people to volunteer to serve our city on that day at the One City Marathon, specifically um, on that Saturday morning from 9.30 to 1 at the expo, and then at the finish line, where it's just going to be one big party. I mean, who, do, who, do, who doesn't want to go and wear a, a Lifehouse shirt and have a big party down at the finish line, right? So if you want to sign up, you're, you aren't going to have church. We're going to actually move it, okay? So, so look, if you want to sign up and help us serve our city on that um, on that morning at the One City Marathon, you can sign up. I think there's going to be something behind me. You can either go online, theaterchurchinden.com. Sign. You can sign up on your U card, um, or you can go and see the big bald Asian guy named Kerry. Uh, you probably see him. Call him the Asian Rock. Um, you, just, you just go find, 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 find him. He will get you signed up to volunteer at the One City Marathon. Secondly, why why we are doing that is I don't know if you see here. We do not have a bap- a baptismal tank. We don't have one of those here because it's a theater, right? So the cool thing is, is on that Sunday, we're going to have a, bapt- a baptismal tank because we're going to be at a church. So, so look, if you have never been baptized and, and you've made a profession of faith in Christ, this is the perfect opportunity for you to get baptized. Maybe you got baptized when you were a kid. Maybe you got baptized, whatever, and you kind of fell off the whole Jesus train, and now you're back on, and, and, and you want to make a recommitment, a public recommitment of, of your faith faith baptism is for you baptism is simply a public expression of what god has has done internally in you and so look if you if you want to get baptized that same phone number 757-755-4759 sign up on your u card or just let us know we want to put to partner with you in that uh in that life-changing event of baptism got it all right let's talk about it today we're gonna talk about marriage today we're gonna talk about marriage everyone okay we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about marriage, okay? Now, a few prefaces that I've given in each sermon in this series that I just want to give one, that I, that I want to give one more time is, first off, these messages are for everybody. I, I've actually heard that we have got people not showing up because they think these messages aren't for them. 
Um, like, I just want to say, look, these messages are for you. Why? Because it might not speak specifically to you, but God can speak it to you and then speak it through you to someone else, okay? So these messages are for you, and you never know what God will speak to you, what the Holy Spirit will speak to you about something that I'm saying that possibly might speak specifically to what you're going through. Secondly, these messages are not born out of wanting to get you into feelings of guilt and shame, all right? Whenever you start talking about relationships and marriage and sex and all of these things, they can just evoke in many of us feelings of guilt and shame. Why? Because many of us haven't done well in these areas. And, and we can think, well, God, you know, it's, I'm not trying, what I'm trying to do is trying to open this book here and tell you what God tells you about these specific areas, not to guilt you, but to say, hey, look, from this day forward, you can do things differently. By God's grace, from this day forward, you can, we are not a guilt and shame church, because guilt and shame doesn't change people. It doesn't change people. It might change them because it's fear-based for maybe a few seconds, but what I'm telling you today is love-based because it's coming from God's word, and God wants you to win in the area of marriage, love, and sex. Okay, thirdly, let this message speak to you instead of someone else. Here's the thing. Whenever I've talked about marriage in the past, you've always got these couples. Whenever I say something, they give the whole <coughs> cough, cough. Basically saying, did you hear that, honey? He was speaking to you. Right? So it's like we can easily get in this. What I'm saying, you can give, you know, you know how it is, ladies. You can give them the whole elbow to the gut. Yeah. Give them the whole elbow to, to the gut. So, so look, let, let this message speak to you today. Don't think it's for someone else. Put you in the driver's seat. Okay, fourthly. How many of, of you here are married? Married, okay. How many of you single? Single? Hey, hey, I want everyone to, hey, single people, look around. Look, look around. You never know. Just saying, best place to meet someone is at church. So all the single people lift their hands. Maybe the Lord, maybe the Lord will lead you into a date tonight. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it's better than Tinder or Bumblebee, okay? I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> no, look, though, if you are married, if you are married, would you just do me a favor and just grab your wife's hand and hold it through this sermon? Okay? Uh, that's all I better see. <laughs> if I see a couple hold hands and walk out, well, the Lord must be, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just hold hands, all right? Why? Because I want today um, to be challenging I want it to be God-honoring, and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would help you see marriage today in a whole new way, because let's just be honest. I don't care who you are, how spiritual you are, how holy you are, what position you hold in any religious organization, whatever, marriage is hard. And I think we just need to be honest with ourselves, because I believe sometimes the church has presented this whole idea, oh, once you get a date, some other Christian person, it's going to be bliss. I've been in the church long enough to know. No matter how saved you are, how holy you are, how well you speak in tongues, whether you pray for people and they get holy, whether you pray for people and they get healed, marriage is hard. It's difficult. It is not for the faint of hearts. 
And there are many things that can derail marriages, sex, money, communication, unfaithfulness. It's a plethora of big things and little things. And it's really, really evident in our culture that they see marriage as hard too. 50% of marriages don't make it. But not only are 50% still married, many people live in an unhappy marriage where their partner isn't satisfied, you're not satisfied, they're not satisfied. You live with this underlying tension, this underlying feeling, we know we're not okay, but we're not gonna say anything and we're just gonna get through it. And many times we can do that just because we have kids, just because of financial obligations. And we can almost, even though you're married, you're either unhappily married or you're just functionally married and you're just roommates. And what I want to say is, look, in, in this church, we don't want to be scared to be weak. Because I know how church people can be, man. We can come up in here and, and, and just think, <laughs> you, know, we, you, know, you know, what I call it is dad bod syndrome. Where think about a dad that's, you know, they got married, kids, and he doesn't have the time like, like he once did to go and work out. He goes to the beach, takes his shirt off. <gasps> Got that chest out, that stomach, that stomach tucked, 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 you know, tucked in, walking around. And he's like, how long are we going to be at the beach? Because I can't hold this very, very long. And then he gets his shirt back on. Oh, then he finally lets it. And really, people can do that in church. They can come in. Oh, I'm great, brother. Awesome. Everything's great. Kids are great. Marriage is good. Yep. And then whenever we leave church, oh, it's back to normal. I don't want that to be this church. I don't want it to be a place where you have to fake it. Because God doesn't bless fake. He doesn't bless fake. He doesn't honor fake. He honors realness. And the truth, the realness is marriage is hard. And I just know that we need to accept that. Now, look, my wife and I, by God's grace, we've been married for 11 years. Um, we have survived the jungle of balancing ministry and marriage. We have loved each other through three little ones and diapers. Um, we have faced financial challenges such as uh, debt. Um, we have had times where the monthly income was lower than the monthly output. We have had periods, days, and weeks of intense con conflict because of unmet and distorted expectations. And we've had seasons of wanting to quit but chose to embrace commitment. And look, I don't have a, a perfect marriage by far. My wife would be the first one to tell you that. But we plan, by God's grace, to make it. And my prayer is that today, I'm not, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you have a great marriage, a struggling marriage, and you just have a functional marriage where you're just basically roommates living together. My prayer today is, is that there'd be something that you can take that would give you hope, no matter where you're at today. And I could talk a lot about, I mean, there's, this message could go 100 different ways, right? I could talk about, like I said, the trinity of you know, communication, sex, and money. Those are the top three marriage killers. In, in any relationship, probably 80 to 90% of marriages that fail fall into those three things. But I, I don't want to talk about specifics today. In the same way I talked about sex last week, I want to get to kind of some root stuff. And that is, how do you ultimately view marriage? Because you live from a, from a deep-rooted belief system about what you believe and think about marriage. And your system isn't shown by what you think or by what you want to believe. It's shown by how you live. Because if you want to know what, something, what somebody truly believes, see what they do, not what they say. Okay? So, and the two 
parameters, the two spectrums that I want to kind of use today to kind of say how you ultimately view marriage is do you view it as a contract or a covenant? Now, I know you say, John, no, I don't view it as a contract. Of course not. It's a covenant. Okay, I'm, I'm not asking what, I'm not seeing what you say. I'm asking what do you do? Asking, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying what do you want to believe, not even what you think the God's word says. How are you living? Do you live as if it's a contract or do you live as if it is a covenant? So we're going to dive into a little bit behind what is a contract and what is a covenant. And honestly, our culture many times views marriage as a contract. A contract is essentially an agreement that states what each side is going to do to make things work. It's going to have, stip- it's going to have stipulations, penalties, ways to get out of things if it doesn't go right. We live in a contract culture, don't we? You sign up for something online. What do you have to do? Click the terms of agreement, right? If, if, if you are buying a house, you have to sign a what? Contract saying what you're getting, what they're getting, stipulations, what side does what, and kind of the penalties if it doesn't work out. You have a baseball player. He wants to play for a team. He has to sign a contract stating, and it's, it's, it's basically saying if you do your part, I'll do you know, I'll do this part. If we don't do our parts, then, hey, we're just going to break it up. We're free to go and to find a different contract. That's a great... Now, look, we live in a, a sinful world, so we need con- contracts. Contracts are a great idea for business, a terrible idea for marriage. Right? So, as a contract, or there is a covenant. Covenant is so much different than contract. Why? Covenant means I choose you... Not for what I get from it. I choose you even in spite of what you give me in return. Covenant is based on commitment. That word covenant actually translates to cut. That's why if you see in in scripture, many covenants are shown the physical expression that the people did a covenant was blood. Okay, you can go all throughout scripture. The greatest covenant that we probably all know and get is the covenant that God made with us through Jesus Christ. That through Christ's shed blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. That is a covenant that God sealed with his blood. What does that actually mean? That It doesn't matter our part. Jesus did his part and throws it out there for us. And his part of the covenant wasn't based on our performance. It wasn't based on our good works. It wasn't based on how good. As a matter of fact, when scripture says this, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't want any part of his covenant, he did his part. And I'm not going to try to get gross with you. And and I'm not going to try to... Whatever, but the marriage covenant, what brings that together scripturally is sex, what it's supposed to. And I'm going to let you do biology in your head, but whenever two people have sex and the, the woman for the first time, what that seals a blood covenant, because that is showing the physical sign of a covenant that has been made between two people. Hopefully you see the, sig- the significance of sex just from that one thought. 
That it, it, is, it, is, it is a sealing of a covenant of saying, I choose you, not for what I get from you, but I choose you because I get the opportunity to love and serve you. Why do you think at marriage ceremonies, we make a vow? Do you promise to love and to cherish, to have and to hold? Do you promise forsaking all others to, to cleave to each other and then to them alone for as long as you both shall live? If you do, please respond by saying, I do. It's you saying, I choose you. I am making a vow. And this is the way God sees marriage. It is a covenant choice and a covenant relationship. You could say this way. A contract marriage is written in ink. Covenant marriage is written in blood. What are some other differences between a, a covenant marriage and a contract marriage? First off, a contract marriage is all about your benefit. What do you get out of it? And I feel like we've got a whole generation of people looking for the best con, con, like looking for the best contract. Think about even the whole idea between swiping on Tinder or something like that. You're looking for who, who, who looks the best. Ooh, they're a doctor. So wipe right. They've got a good income. They're beautiful too. But think about it, I just believe we have a whole generation of people saying, where can I get the best contract where I can get the most out but give the least? How can I get something that benefits me without giving anything? And it's crazy, man. And, and it's just crazy how like people will find other people just so they can move in with them, so they don't have to pay rent. I mean, people are, are trying to, I'm, I mean, it is absolutely insane. Who will give me the best deal? That's good when you're buying a car, not when you're trying to find a spouse. A covenant marriage, though, is all about our benefit. It's not about your benefit, it's about our. It's the mindset switch shift from me to we. Statistically, counselors say it takes nine years for a, for a couple to switch from me to we, to even begin the process. I believe it, because I'm in year 11. And I'm trying to love Jesus. And I feel that. A covenant marriage isn't about you, it's about we. A contract marriage keeps a record of performance. You got like your little like mental uh, stat sheet. And you're adding up and subtracting. And you're, well, they did this and how's their performance been? Here, are they bringing in the bacon? Are they making enough money? And when they don't do it, you chastise them and you say it's either get better or get out. But a covenant marriage is built on love. First Corinthians 13, it says this. Paul, he said, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered. It keeps no record. It doesn't say it doesn't make. It just doesn't keep. Because there are some things, meritally, you need to let your spouse know what is going on. Of how you feel like you are being wronged. You make it, but you don't keep it. You can make, but you don't keep. A contract marriage focuses on you winning. Winning? Some of y'all didn't, didn't get that. Sorry. Do you remember Charlie Sheen, the whole winning? Okay, no one, okay, no one cares. That was really old. Good job, John. 
But a contract marriage focuses on you winning. And, you know, it's kind of like a contract negotiation. How can you get what you want? You lie, you cheat, manipulate just to get what you want. A covenant marriage focuses on God winning. The point isn't for you or your spouse to win. The point is for God to ultimately win by how you guys treat each other. A contract marriage says, I'll do my part if you do your part. A covenant marriage says, I'll do my part because Jesus did his part. A covenant marriage says, I'll do my part because Jesus did his part. And this is where I think we need the whole idea of covenant marriage has got to go. Because honestly, when you think of the idea of a covenant marriage and what I just said, I, I believe it is ultimately somewhat hopeless that we can have a covenant marriage without, with us out, without us personally having a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and understanding what our relationship to Jesus really is. Think about if Jesus came to us with a contract. What if God's love for you, Jesus' love for you, was contract-driven? He came up to the seven, eight billion people in the world, and he was like, hello, John Ware. You want to come in and take your seat? Here's the contract stip stipulations. I would like for you to give 20% uh, of your money. Um, I would like for you to make sure you do uh, 20 acts of kindness every day. I would like for you to, uh, you know, please ensure that if you see any old lady walking across the street, you walk with her. I, you know, and he just gave us these stipulations that we had to do, and if we broke them, then the covenant was gone. Then, the, then we're doomed to hell. But God's love for us isn't based on a contract. It's based on God's covenant love that, that said, look, I know you're going to have a hard time keeping your part, but just because you don't do your part doesn't mean I'm not going to go and do my part. And that's what the cross is. The cross is shouting at you. It's God doing his part. It's God yelling at you and saying to you, he loves you. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to be his forever. It's basically him taking a ring out and being like, will you be mine? That's literally what the cross is. It is his invitation. It is him beckoning you. God of creation, God of all heavens loves you so much. And I believe this, until we actually understand God's love for us, it is always gonna be hard for us to have a covenant type love for our spouse. I just believe that. Why? Because it's hard to give what you've never been given. And that's what I believe. We have a generation of people trying to muster up this covenant commitment-based love. But the issue is they've never been given it. They've never accepted it. They've never lived from it. But the truth is when you realize you've been forgiven, it becomes a lot easier to forgive. When you realize you've been given love in spite of your flaws, it's easy to love your spice, your spice, your spouse, your spice, spouse, whatever. Your spice. Maybe you call your wife that. Whatever. See my spice. It's easier to love your spouse in spite of their flaws. When you realize God laid down his rights and privileges to save and serve you, it's easier to lay down your rights to love, serve your spouse. 
I believe the biggest thing that a covenant love that God deals with us with is this idea of sin. And we, we, talk, we, we talk about sin a lot here. And I don't do it just, like I said, to make you feel bad because a lot, y'all, like, like sin, and, and that's a churchy word, but sin is simply us wanting to do our own thing apart from God. It's us saying, God, we're good. We don't need you. We're going to do what we do. Thank you, but no thank, thank you. And from the very beginning of this book, you, you see that sin has separated people from God and from each other. And what you see from the very beginning of Genesis is, is what man's issue was, was ultimately rooted. It wasn't, it wasn't fruit issues. It was root issues. What all sexual sin flows out of is, is a sin issue, a root issue, a wrong thinking issue. Where, where So, so we, we've got to, to deal with the root instead of just dealing with the fruit. Like, like I said, I can talk to you about love, sex, and communication. But if the root is you think marriage is a contract, you're not going to fix those things. But if you see it as being a covenant, then you'll see living out of a covenant mindset helps to dictate and deal with these certain issues. But look, this is the thing. Whenever you have a covenant mindset, you realize that what God dealt ultimately with you in this covenant relationship with him was sin. Your biggest issue was sin. Your sinful heart, your sinful attitudes, your, you wanting to do your own thing. And Jesus Christ came, lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you should have died in your place and for your sin. And he gives you the, oppor- the opportunity to, to repent and give your life to him to receive forgiveness of your sins, and new life through Christ. And what does that do? It then says you now are no longer living for your benefit. You are now living for God's benefit. And if you are living for God's benefit, you'll live for others' benefit. Because the greatest way you show how you love God is by how you treat others. It's not by the scriptures you can quote. It's, it's not by the, it's how do you love people? Well, what I tell every couple Whenever, whenever I'm doing a ceremony form, part of the ceremony is, first off, I'm like, are you cool with a stuttering preacher? If you're not, you need to get someone else, okay? Uh, secondly, secondly during, during, during the actual ceremony, one thing that I say is I have the two people there, and they're sitting there, and they're just all loving each other. Part of what I say is, sir, you will sin against her. Ma'am, you will sin against her. And if Jesus isn't at the center of y'all's relationship, your sin won't go where it should go on Jesus. Your sin will go on each other. And do you know what sin will do? What sin's done from the very beginning? It's brought separation. But what Jesus' covenant does, Jesus comes down and he deals with sin. So now, if those people sin uh, against each other, there can be forgiveness. Why? Because you're not throwing the sin back on them. You're throwing it on where sin needs to go, and that's Jesus. He takes the punishment. He takes the blame. He's the one, instead of blaming them, you now say, I'm going to forgive you because Jesus forgives us. I say that in, in the ceremony, and it's funny because there's so many people, whenever I say, you're going to sin against her, you're going to sin uh, uh, against him, you can just hear couples in the audience laughing because they're like, yep, a lot. <laughs> but what Jesus deals with is sin. 
in a contract, when there is sin, it brings, up, it brings separation. You didn't do your part. You failed me. You did this. You did that. And I'm going to blame you, punish you, and make you pay for it. But that's not the way that Jesus loves us. In a covenant, there is, when there is sin, there is forgiveness extended, love and grace given. You don't blame, punish, or make them pay for it because Jesus has already been blamed and punished for our sin. truth is this, y'all. Jesus went first. What do I mean by that? Jesus went first, meaning he didn't wait for you to do good works to step out and save you. He said, I'm going to take the first step. Jesus went first. And really, I believe this. A marriage wins. Your marriage will win when you step out and each of you goes first. Because isn't that what a lot of marriages, like where a lot of the deep issues of marriage are? Many of the big issues you have is, well, I'm not gonna love them until they love me. I'm not gonna give that guy, or you know, ladies, I'm not gonna give my husband sex until I feel loved. And guys are like, well, I'm not gonna love you until you give me sex. And there's this like, Who's going to go first? Who's going to give in first? I'm not moving until you move. And you live with this standoff mentality for years. And maybe there's a season where it's okay. But then you get right back to it. And really, what you're subconsciously doing in that is you're living in a contract marriage. You're living in a contract mentality. You do your part, then I'll do my part. But a covenant marriage says, I'll go first. What if two people decided, I'll go first? Ephesians 5. This is one of the most famous passages in scripture about marriage. Like if any pastor doesn't bring this up when talking about marriage, I don't know what else he's going to use. So we're gonna dive into this Ephesians 5. This is Paul. I mean, just imagine Paul, okay? He's a church planner. He goes into a brand new city, plants a brand new church, and he's got these people that don't know their butt from a hole in the ground about anything. Like, they are Gentiles, like, talking to them about Jesus. Like, like you know what? There's probably a bunch of people in his church just because he saw Paul do incredible miracles. So he's got this crowd of, of people that are intrigued by this whole Jesus thing, but he's trying to say a lot of how you follow Jesus is shown by how you treat your husband and how you treat your wife. So he's trying to write to them letters to say, hey, look, let me give you a few things on what it means to be married. Like, let me break this down for you because they were living in a culture that saw marriage in a totally different way. And I don't see a lot of difference between what you're, what's shoved down y'all's throats about what marriage should be and could be in our culture than, than, than probably than probably what Paul faced. And, and so for some of you here, if you've been in church a pretty good while, this is gonna be maybe replayed for you. But for some of you here, if you're kind of new to this whole Jesus thing or you're just, you know, you didn't, you, I don't know, but you possibly this is gonna be brand new for you. So hang on, all right? It says here, wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. I just want to stop right there. 
What this verse actually says in a, a different translation is it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And I know that word, that S word in this culture, submit is looked at as being like, don't you tell me that, right? It's kind of like you want a woman to get mad, like say that. Like just even imply that. Um. I'm going to dive into that, though. But then it says the husband provides leadership to his wife. And what the, trans, the other translation says is for the husband is the head of his wife. Now, let's make sure we don't get this twisted, okay? That word head there that, that, is, that is used in that translation and why I like the message version here is because it says the husband provides leadership to his wife the way that Christ does to his church. Essentially saying that word head there does not mean better than, does not mean more important. It simply means this, responsible. So men, you are responsible. Men in the church have used that word submit in such a wrong way for their own benefit for far too long. It says, men, you are ultimately the head, meaning you are responsible. Who did God call for when Eve sinned in the garden? Adam, where are you? What he was saying was, I know who did it, but I know who's responsible. Men, God holds you responsible as the head of your home, of your marriage relationship. You are held responsible for the health, for the benefit. You are called to lead. Your wife is not called to be a person that just is there, just to support you, just to do what you want her to do, that you're just to bark orders to her. Because the funny thing that I've always seen with this verse, I started in verse 22, but what I, in a funny way, what I see is that many people don't throw in verse 21. Let me show you what, what verse 21 says right before Paul goes into, the two, into this whole spiel. Put that up, please. Ephesians 5, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Oh! So funny how all the guys that have used that submit, submit, submit thing didn't see verse 21 right before that verse. So they took scripture and made it say what they wanted to say. Who'd have thought? People can be very good at that. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what he was giving instructions here, Paul was giving instructions for Christian households. And what he says here, Husband and wives, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So then from there, Paul goes into, let me, let me tell you what that submission to each other looks like. 
and then he dives into, it's sort of like Christ in the church and the church with Christ. He says, let me take something and, and give you skeletons about what this mutual submission means. Everyone say mutual submission. Mutual submission. Do you know what that could actually be translated to? Go first. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes into, can you put up verse 20, 22 through 24? Husband, no, sorry, the, the other set. There you go. Wives, understand and support your husband. So now read these verses in light of verse 21. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Now, go to verse 25 through 28. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. I'll be honest, I failed here in many, many times in many, many ways. Because men, you know how we get. We get her. And then we can think that's enough. Well, I've already got that locked down. And we get lazy. And we just think, well, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, yeah, whatever. Here, here's some flowers. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as who Christ did for the church. Love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, addressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. What Paul is saying here is, and y'all, I just don't think we understand how groundbreaking this scripture was comparing it to Paul's culture. Why? Because honestly, women in that culture were not even looked at as being people. They were property. So when Paul came on the scene here and he said, in Christian, Christ-following, God-honoring households, women are not property to be owned. They are people to be loved and people to be served, made in the very image of God, man. They are not, they are not below you. They are beside you. They are not less than. They are equal to. And when Paul came on the scene and said this, I can just see the men in that church being like, he says, no, they're made in the image of God. You're to love them and serve them. But not only are they to submit to you, you're to, you're to submit to her. Submit to one another out of obligate, no, out of what? Reverence for Christ. Essentially saying in the same way, Christ submit. You know, Christ submitted himself to you. He submitted himself for you. He literally said, I'm going to lay my life down for you. When you were in your own way, doing your own thing, when the world said, we want nothing of you, he still did his part. He went first. So our fuel and example and vision for any marriage relationship is Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went first. 
how would your marriage be different? If two people said, we're gonna go first. We're not gonna wait. I'm not gonna wait for them. How many issues in your marriage would be solved, healed, or gotten through if you simply went first and submitted? I know they don't deserve it. Neither did you. I know they, they did this and that. Yep, so did you. Well, they don't understand. Neither did you. When you have a new heart that is understanding the gospel, that Jesus went first, it gives you the fuel that you need to go first and submit to each other. You know that marriage really isn't even about you? What, what, what does that mean? Everything we do in, in life, we're supposed to do for God's glory. And do you know marriage is, you know why Paul chose marriage as being one of the examples of what the Christ and, or what Christ and the church looks like? Be, because it's a perfect example. Marriage is a perfect example of who God is. How? Well, when, when I'm teaching my kids about God and we try, I tell you what, trying to put three boys to bed is, should be an Olympic sport. <laughs> like, trying to put my f seven, five, and three-year-old to bed, like, I literally have to take a nap after I put them to bed because it is so tiring, <laughs> especially when you're trying to pray with them and do Bible stories with them, and, and you're trying to, like, get them to care about God. And I think I put this online, Facebook. We put hymns, instrumental hymns on CD for them when they're trying to, like, sleep, and I think Jackson has kind of, like, picked up some of the, like, hymns with some of the songs that we sing, and there was one song, what a beautiful name it is, and I don't know, you know, you got boys that are seven, five, and three, they, they like farts and fart noises and all that stuff, so Jackson, he was singing, he was like, what a beautiful fart it is, what a beautiful fart it is, the fart of Jesus, and I'm in the front like, just, this is sacrilegious, but it's hilarious. I, I just, <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. And I mean, I can't, but he was singing in the right key. I was like proud of him, right? In some way, shape, or form. But it's just cute. Like I'm, I'm trying to get them to understand, you know, like I'm trying to teach them little things about who God is and what God's like. Worship team or, or just keyboard, whatever. Y'all can come up because we need to close. But um. And what a bit, so, and y'all never gonna be able to sing that song the same. Worship, go ahead and take that song off, off the list, dude. We're not gonna be able to, to sing that song the same ever. But the, the, the point is this, is that when, 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 when I'm talking to my kids about what is God like, we believe as a church that God is the theological term Trinity, meaning he's three yet one, meaning he's three equal and distinct beings but he operates as one God, Father, Son, Spirit, one. Equal and equal in value, equal in purpose, but distinct in their responsibility and calling. And when I try to tell them God's three yet one, do you know what I'm gonna tell them? It's like, it's kind of like mommy and daddy. We're different, but we're one. We're equal in value in God's sight. We're distinct 
we're different, but ultimately, mom and dad are one. We're two, yet one. God is three, yet one. So you know what marriage ultimately is, y'all? Do you know what marriage is supposed to shout to the world? Do you know what marriage is supposed to evoke in the world around us? That's what God's like. That's how God operates. That's how we're supposed to treat and love each other. And y'all, I just think we have made marriage, whenever it's a contract, it's all about you. When, when it's a covenant, you realize that part of the covenant that you have with your wife is shouting and showing to the world, this is what God's like and how God operates. The God we serve is, is similar to the way we have relationships. So look, I, I, I know a sermon like this can evoke all sorts of different emotions because all of y'all are in different spots. Your, you know, your relationships are in different places. And I know this can evoke a lot of questions. And so I want to welcome you Whatever avenue you want to just like reach out to me by, whether it's Facebook, e email, whatever. If, if, if you have questions about what I've said today or you, uh, about, your specific, about your specific situation, look, we've got an incredible team here of marriage counselors and marriage people that wanna like help and talk to you and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not the best answer guy, but at the same time, I could be a funnel. But we just want to say, whatever questions these bring up, we want to be here to help you process it because we want to see your marriage win. We want to see your marriage win. Why? Because when your marriage wins, God wins. Because it shouts and shows to the world who God is. And y'all, what if we had a submission, comp submission competition? Instead of just saying, wife submit to the husband, husband submit to the wife, what if we all just said, look, we're not in this thing. It's a submission competition. That's how your marriage is going to win, y'all. go first but the only way you're going to go first is by realizing God went first and that's the fuel and that's the example that your spirit that your heart that your mind needs for you to have the grace and strength to go first when you don't feel like going first you want to take them and put them last a few other next steps maybe for you today you need to give your life to Christ. You need the fuel to love your wife or love your husband. You need the fuel to go first. Because right now you're trying to muster up in you this good feelings and what you should do. No, you need to muster up in you the heart of Christ and experience the love of Christ, the covenant love of Christ that, that empowers you to live and give the covenant love that Christ gave you. Secondly, can you put that up guys? Thank you. Thank you. Secondly, you need to get help. You've been doing the dad bod thing for too long. I don't care what, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a leader at this church. I don't care if you, this is your first Sunday. Like, I don't care who you are. If you know your marriage is in trouble, you've got underlying issues that you do not want to confront. Like I said earlier, we are, I don't want us to be a church that fakes it. It's hard. And many times we wait until things are at the very end and we're on our last string for us to go and get help. And that's why the third thing is you gotta be proactive, y'all. Like if there's anything that I could tell you is look, don't 
wait until your marriage is in trouble to get help. Don't like invest in your, like you might be in a good season right now. Praise God, blessings on, on you. We're happy that your marriage is in a great season. Don't stop learning though. Don't stop growing. Don't stop investing into that relationship because there's gonna be a time, not if your marriage struggles, but when your marriage struggles, if you're continually investing in it, you've got something to draw from whenever the issues happen. We can't be proactive, we, have, we can't be reactive, we've gotta be proactive. And fourthly, I wanna challenge you guys, man, like in one of the best ways you can invest in your relationship and in your marriage is to get in community with other couples that are doing the same, I mean, that are like, yeah, I know it's hard. Yep, you see her, no, I'm kidding. It's hard, no. you see him, it's hard. No, but, but it's, it's like, I just believe one of the greatest tools the devil has is keeping us in, in isolation. Where we say, we can do this, we can fight it out, we've, we've always made it, we've, we've this, that, and then the other thing. No, you need to step out, you need to reach out, you need to get in, get in community. And I, and I know some of you, whenever I say that, you think, well, what are they gonna think about us? Are they gonna be this? Are they gonna be that? Y'all, there's no judgment in this place. We want you to win. We want you to love each other. We want you to submit to each other. We want you to be in the submission. Like we, that's what we want. And look, we have two incredible marriage groups going on right now that there's still time for you to join in. If you want more information about that U card, Next Steps booth outside, you can go online, theaterchurchnn.com, whatever. But get in community. Listen, we want you to win. And I know whenever we talk about it, don't know where you're at, but I believe all four of us today can take one of these four steps. Can we all stand up church? We're gonna close out. If I could just have prayer teams come on up. have prayer teams up here. We're going to have couples up here. And um, listen, one thing we're going to do is, is we're just going to go back into a, a, a time of saying Jesus at the center. Jesus be the center. And um, you know, we, we've got couples up, up here. Look, if you need prayer, you want to step out today and have somebody join in prayer with you, maybe you're at wit's end right now and, and you need you know you need to be up here and get prayer. We've got couples here. We want to pray with you. Secondly, though, maybe today your next step is to receive Christ, is to recommit your life to Christ and get that fuel that you need to love your spouse because it's the same way that God has loved you. Can we all just kind of like bow heads really, really quick and just kind of create a time of privacy really quick? If you would just say, John, I need to give my life to Christ. I don't can't give what I've never been given. And today I, I want to receive the covenant love of God. I want to receive the covenant love of God that stepped out, that went first, died on the cross in my place and for my sins. If you just say, John, I want to receive that today. All it takes is you saying yes. That's it. Just say yes to receiving God's love. If that is you today and you want to receive Jesus, I'm just going to ask you, you can say it loudly, you can say it quietly, you can say it in your heart, whatever. Just say yes right now. Say yes. Just say yes. If that is you, and you said yes today, I just want to ask you, if you would just do 
one more thing. Head still bowed, eyes, eyes still closed. If you just put your hand up. Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Put it up if you, if you, if you want to receive Christ today. One right over there. Keep it up for me, would you? Ushers, could you please give them one of those cards? Keep, keep your hand up. Thank you. Listen, y'all, what we're going to do, we're just going to have everyone join in. We had, I don't know, three to five, you know, three to five hands go up. We're just going to join in prayer with those that are, that are, that, that, that are receiving Christ today. And what I want us to do, I just want all of us joining in. And we're going to pray the prayer of receiving Christ with them. Could, could everybody repeat this after me? Jesus, give you my life. I give you my heart. I receive the covenant love that you give me today. You went first. And today I go second. And I receive your love. Let me know. Let me be aware of the love you have for me. So I can give it to others. I can give what I've been given. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. In my place and for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Life House family, let's give it up for everyone that said that prayer today. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.